Ephesians chapter 4. And remember, uh, we're our goal for the year, and we've chosen these books, the prison epistles, uh, to be the kind of books uh, that would help us to become in the image of Christ. It's our theme for the year. And folks, I want all of us in this room to change. I want you to change every year, but especially this year, that perhaps we could make our greatest changes. We could become more like Christ in His image than ever before. It doesn't mean we'll ever stop changing because we never get to perfection. So we all keep working at it. But you'll notice in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 22, he says, put off. That's first. And then in verse number 23, uh, verse number 23 and 24, and that you put on, that's second. Now, it's always that you put off dirt before you put on something clean. Now, the Holy Spirit, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and gives us a new nature. And now we have these new natures that are battling each other. And so we want to yield to the Holy Spirit so the new nature, therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, There is a brand new way to look at things. And the Holy Spirit, when we get saved, begins to guide us into those uh, thoughts and sight and visions, okay, is that we can see things a different way. I can see how that I shouldn't talk that way anymore. I can see I shouldn't think that way anymore, okay? Now, If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Keep your finger in Ephesians 4. We'll come back there in a minute. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice this. Verse number 11. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. Obviously, washed is a term for cleaning up. You put off things. Sanctified means you become clean. It's the end result of washing. Justified is the um, spiritual word for being made righteous in the courts of heaven. In other words, you've been saved. Justified always has a legal meaning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. Now notice, he says in verse 18, flee fornication. He said, put this off. This was a, a very um, prevalent thing in their day within their worship, within the worship of the goddess Diana, the Ephesians. Um, notice, if you would, verse 19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? So we have the Holy Spirit in our heart. Well, notice the next one, which you have of God and you are not your own. So once you and I realize that we are using the Lord's body, it's on rental, it's on loan to us, how do we take care of it? Now keep reading, verse 20, for ye are bought with a price, the blood of Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Take care of this body, use this body to do things that are right, and your spirit. Keep your spirit, your attitude right. Now, let's flip back over to Ephesians 4, and you'll notice 
in verse number 24 that you put on the new man, but notice verse 25, wherefore, because you've decided to put things off that are wrong and you're now putting things on that are right, he said, oh, by the way, wherefore, putting away lying. Now, lying was a very prevalent thing in their day. Apparently, people lied all the time. Take your Bible and turn to Colossians. Look with me if you would. 3, Colossians 3, verse 9, verse 8. But now you also put off all these. Put off these things in addition to verse 5. But then verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. So he said, don't lie. Now let's take just a minute. All of us lie if we're not very careful. You're, you're, you get into work. Uh, you know, you, you get into work and you're a little bit, you think you're going to be a little bit late and uh, you wanted to be there a little bit early, but you got there, let's say work starts at 8 and, and uh, your boss happens to come up and say, hey, what time did you get here today? Well, I got here about, uh, about 8. And uh, you, you're not trying to necessarily lie to him, but you're just throwing out an answer without really thinking, and you really got there at 8.05, okay? That's a lie. Now, you may not have intended to do that on purpose, and, but if you did, that is a lie on purpose. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and see the difference when we lie on purpose or when we do anything on purpose. Notice, if you would, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, after we've trusted Christ as Savior, he wants to assure us there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. The Lord Jesus doesn't have to go back to the cross and pay our debt of sin. It's still paid. But there's a judgment day coming for that lie. There's a judgment day coming for that dirty joke or that uh, uh, mean spirit or for that sarcastic comment. So you and I have to learn to put off things and purposely live what's right. You will notice the Bible says in verse number 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And the Bible says, the Lord shall judge his people in verse 30. So the idea is that the Lord is going to judge you and I. He is the one watching us live. He wants you and I to do the right thing for his sake. So notice verse 26 back over in Ephesians 4. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. He wants us to be especially truthful to other Christians. Now, you might think it's a direct opposite. But I especially want to be truthful to the world because they might get the wrong impression of Christ. But he says, I want you to be especially truthful to the people you're around all the time. That's where we're not careful. If we're not careful, we can lie. Notice if you would. He says, wherefore, putting away lying. Now, putting away is a verb in the Greek text that's in the middle voice, which it means we do it ourselves. So it means I'm responsible to stop lying. 
the Lord will help us. We memorize Scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When we get into that position, and let's say we have lied, Lord, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? You have two choices. You can cover it, or you can confess it. If we cover it, it's going to happen again. If we confess it, we have the Lord's promise that he'll help us. And we don't have to face the judgment that we would if we didn't confess it. So notice, if you would, he says in verse 25, for we are members one of another. You don't want to hurt somebody. So it really means don't lie within the family to each other. Don't lie to your parents. Don't lie to your husband, your wife. That's where we lie the most. And then when you're out, don't lie. Don't do anything but tell the truth. The truth is important to the Lord. Sanctify thy word. Thy word is truth. He wants us to be truthful in our spirit. And so it's important that you and I are careful with what we say. Um, in the uh, uh, New Beginnings class, there, uh, there is a, a gentleman had a saying, you, uh, you, you sow a thought and reap an act. You sow an act, and you reap a habit. You sow a habit, and you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. It's who you become. So it is important that you and I start today to say, I'm going to put away lying and only speak truth. Remember, Hebrews 10 is written for those people that on purpose do these things. They don't put off certain sins on purpose. Folks, let me encourage no one to be that way. Every one of us, one of the key decisions a Christian makes is, I want to put off every sin so that I can be clean. Notice, if you would, verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Now, I'm going to take just a minute. Anger is probably, uh, along with lying, as close to a number one sin in Christians as you can get. We either get angry on the outside or we get angry on the inside. But if that anger is not taken care of, Lord, I'm so sorry, then it grows into bitterness because something caused it. And so, Anger is only good when it is toward sin. We've seen God get angry toward sin many times. He was angry at Sodom and Gomorrah, said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to destroy you, and he did. He got angry with Nineveh, and he sent Jonah. And so they repented, and God changed his mind. God does have anger toward sin. You can make the Lord angry. I can make the Lord angry. Angry toward sin is something all of us should have. Oh, I can't believe I just lied. I didn't, I didn't plan that. It just happened, Lord. I'm sorry. I should have been more careful with my words. Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm angry at myself. That helps you clean up. Your anger is always toward sin, not necessarily toward the sinner. 
Now, it could be in habitual sin, but anger is 90% of the time, that's my number, wrong. You get angry with your wife, 90% of the time, that's wrong. Anger is when somebody has done something on purpose, trying to do wrong. And then it might make us angry. It should never be the first time or even the second. The Lord is long-suffering. That means the Lord doesn't get angry quickly. It takes multiple offenses to make him angry. It ought to be that way with us. So that you know I'll never make my parents angry as long as I try to do what's right. When I do what's wrong, I tell them I'm sorry. It'll always be okay. The Lord is that way. He's only angry at sin, and sin we know better to do than we do it anyway. Um, had a young man, uh, had a young lady, I was on a youth activity, and uh, she had a young lady in her car. Her dad said, don't anybody, don't let any teenager ride with you in your car, because I'm afraid uh, they would get you to do something that you ought not to do in the car, and I don't believe you'll do that by yourself. In other words, I think another teen that you like, you want to please because your nature is to like to please. So you're going to do something with that car that you shouldn't be doing. So she's in front of the church, and uh, the girl needs a ride home. She says, oh, come on with me. And somebody said, well, I, I thought your dad said no teenagers to ride with. Well, it'll be okay. He'll understand. So she gets in the car, and she's going down the road, and she's talking to the girl, and they're laughing and cutting up. And she misses the turn and wrecks her car on the curb. She comes down and she sees me. She says, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. My dad's going to kill me. She didn't mean he was going to take out a gun and shoot her. But what she meant was, I knew better and I didn't do what he said. So he's going to be upset with me. Now, He's not going to blow a gasket and scream and yell and throw things and throw her out in the backyard and pick her up and throw her in the front yard. He's not going to do that. But he's going to say, what is wrong with you, honey? I told you this is what happened. He's going to be angry with her. Now, angry at sin, according to Scripture, is okay. But we never, ever let our anger go to the point where it hurts people. It's only to get our attention God gets angry with us whenever, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. It's a fearful thing being in the hands of a living God. He's angry with us. But for you and I, we ought to be very careful with anger. It's a dangerous thing. Anger builds up adrenaline. And adrenaline gives us the power to do things we shouldn't be able to do. It can cause you to hurt people or break things. Anger does that. And so it is important that you and I learn that uh, anger is a tool God has given us. Someone breaks into your home and is trying to harm your family. And so at that point in time, you, you, the Lord is not going to look at you and say, don't get angry. I mean, you do whatever it takes to defend your family, sir. Would you please leave our premises? You don't have my permission to be here. I don't think that's a conversation. Okay? 
so there is a time to be angry and sin not. But it is always that you and I look at it and say, Lord, did this please you? And if not, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So it can't live in your heart permanently. It happens when sin happens. It happens in your own heart when sin happens. Oh, Lord, I'm so angry with myself. I'm sorry. But you have to be so careful. That's right. Now, notice what he says. And this is important. Look, look at what it's paired with. And sin, not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So when you do get angry, you have to get rid of it quickly. Many people get anger, and they build up, and they build up, and they stay angry. He said, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. The idea is anger is never to last. Never. It's always short term. And notice, if you would, and then he says something else. Neither give place to the devil. Now, this Greek word place is topos, not tupos. Tupos is a footprint. It's a pattern uh, uh, that we're to follow. Topos is a marked off area. It is a place that we allow Satan. I'm sitting here, and all of a sudden I allow Satan in my heart. How do I do that? Well, I'm sitting up here looking, and I'm seeing a clock up there that's so big, I could see it for a mile. And I say, are they trying to tell me something? And so I get frustrated. Uh, did you know that tonight, before we, what we were singing, on Brother Scott's side, there's little bitty words up there and a picture of the auditorium. On my side, there's only the words, great big words. And so I'm sitting up here. Are they trying to tell me something? And what's going on here? And now I get up to preach, and there's a 6.09 p.m. that's as big. You can see it from the ball fields outside. And I look at it in my heart. I can give place to the devil and say, what's he thinking? What's he trying to do? Is he trying to tell me something about my preaching? I'm, I'm going too long. What's it? And so I give place to the devil. How many of you have ever done that? You saw something, added two plus two, and got six. Okay? We're giving place to the devil. He said, neither give place. It's an error. Now, the idea here is a marked out space. You have sort of a chip on your shoulder. That when I see a, a big clock, I get upset. What are they trying to tell me? Um, now, just so you know, um, the first night I said, I was so excited to see those up there so I could see the songs, you know, where the songs, and I'm, I got my, my, my songbook out, and if I missed the, the, the page number, I could at least look up and see the songs. And the first night they put it up like that, that little bitty stuff. And I, I'm trying to read the song, and I, I can't keep up reading the song. I said, I'm going to fix this. The next day I went to the eye doctor, and they got me some new glasses. I got four pairs of new glasses. I come back in, and they got it as big as the whole TV. I said, what are they trying to tell me? And so I, I look at it, and, you know, seriously, you and I get upset about things that we ought not to. We give a place for the old devil. 
a brother and a sister or brother and brother, you know, that they get to argue and fuss and fight. They give a place. It's a chip on the shoulder. It's something that they are sensitive to. And folks, a Christian gives away that sensitivity. We're never to have anything that we're sensitive to. We give it to the Lord so that Satan, you remember the Bible says Satan can take advantage of us? He uses his devices and he can take advantage of us. We give him that opportunity as long as we leave a place there. You can have a place for all kinds of things. Bitterness. Well, if they do that to me, I'll never forgive them. You made a place. It's a marked out place. Now, right now, I'm not bitter to anybody. But if you do that, and the Satan says, I got it. I got a place. I got a place in Dave Pittman's heart that I can have. All I got to do is bring the right situation around, and I got a place. Maybe you're jealous about something. All of a sudden, you see something that makes you jealous. You're like Saul. Saul was jealous of his position. He didn't realize that God put him in the position and God would protect him. Oh, I'll take care of it myself. I'm going to kill David. He made a place for his anger, for his bitterness. Folks, don't make a place for your bitterness or your jealousy. Now, notice what he says. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. And so the idea is teach a thief, don't steal, because when you do, you don't have anything to give to somebody else. You're stealing, take care of yourself. I want you to work and get a job so that you can give to somebody else, so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Now, that's taking stealing a different direction. In other words, don't steal ever, because if you start stealing, then you're not going to be given to somebody else because you're always interested in yourself. When you say, I'm not going to steal anymore. I'm going to go work with my hands. I'm going to go get a job so that I can give to somebody else. You change the initiative for being a thief to being a giver. And that's what God wants Christians to do. Young people, he doesn't want you to be a taker. He wants you to be a giver. In Middle East, most countries have a rule if you get caught as a thief, they do something to you. You know what they do? Anybody want to tell me? Uh, Brandon did a good job. Cut off your hand. I've got a picture in my phone of a young man that came to church there in Africa, and he had his, had his hand wrapped all up. His hand was gone. He stole food. But he kept doing it. He didn't learn the lesson of not being a taker, but try to be a giver. Figure out a way that I can earn funds or food to help somebody else. Change the heart, and you change the actions. And folks, tonight, you and I have to change our heart. But one of the things we have to do is put off stealing. Now, Probably nobody in this room would say, well, I'll go to my neighbor's backyard and steal his lawnmower because I need one. Nobody does that here. But I'll tell you what, some of our young people might steal an answer in school. We might steal an idea at work. We might take credit for something that was somebody else's. We might steal their credit. 
So it's important that you and I learn not to steal at any level. And you'll notice, he says, the purpose of it is that you can be generous. Folks, learn to be generous. This morning's offering, learn to be generous. It's hard for you to outgive the Lord. You use a spoon, he'll use a shovel. You use a shovel, he'll use a backhoe. Whatever you and I decide to do by being generous, God will bless you. But it will change your heart and protect you from a multitude of sins. And the idea is the Lord says, I want to change you to be in my image. Jesus Christ could have made stones into gold, but he didn't. They went fishing, which was labor, to get a coin out of the fish's mouth. He's trying to teach his disciples labor, even though I could make money. I could make gold. I can tell you where all the gold is in these hills, but I'm going to go, we're going to go labor for our tax money. He's trying to teach people to labor so that you can give. Notice if you would, I want you to see this quickly. Notice in verse number 29, he says, let no, now still putting off, let no corrupt, original word here is uh, sarpas, it's, 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 it's the word for uh, Sapras, it's the word for uh, putrid. Uh, it's the word for rotten. Um, how many of you have ever had lettuce that comes in the bag? You know, it comes in the bag. You, you make lettuce salads out of it. You put it in your refrigerator. Maybe it gets knocked over behind something, and all of a sudden you find it. How many ever had something, you found some vegetable that had been back there for a while or some fruit, and all of a sudden you look at it, man, it's, it's gross, it's rotten. He says, let no rotten words come out of your mouth. Now let's take a look at that. What are rotten words? Well, obviously curse words will be rotten words. Comes from a dirty heart. Comes from a wicked heart. Um, sarcasm. Folks, sarcasm is a dangerous thing. It will many times get a laugh, but sarcasm is based on making fun of you. Uh, we ought not to use sarcasm. Make an agreement. Don't use sarcasm in your home. Don't let sarcasm be there. It morphs into other things that are hurtful. I know marriages that have, have caused immorality due to sarcasm. Well, you don't think I'm worth anything. I'll show you. And all of a sudden, you've got to be, I didn't mean that. Rotten words are sarcastic words. Be careful. Take sarcasm out of your family's vocabulary. Young men, young ladies, take it out. It's important. Notice he says, let no corrupt communication. And, and, and uh, we're going to take a little bit, no corrupt communication. That You might say, well, I didn't mean it like that. Well, notice what he does mean for you to do. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. Okay? So he says, look, uh, don't let anything corrupt. He said, well, uh, sarcasm, not all the time corrupt. Is it good? Does it help people? 
Does it grow people? Notice what he says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying. Edifying's building up. It's lifting somebody up. Uh, don't use unnecessarily hurtful words. You, you, your wife says, how did you like the meal? Well, you can say, well, it stunk. That's not, that's not wise. That, that's corrupt communication at the point. It, you may say, well, that, I'm just telling the truth. Well, massage the truth. Learn to be careful of your words, all of them. Notice, if you would, uh, it, it could be words that are too direct. It could be bitter words. Something you've not forgiven caused you to say something away that's very hurtful. Well, if I did it to you, you wouldn't like it either. No corrupt, but that which is good. Unpleasant words. Angry words. Words cause more damage than 75% of all the other things we do. Words, the choice of words, and the choice of spirit in the words. The choice of tone in the words. Be careful of your tone. Be careful of your volume. Be careful of the way you say things so that they're not unpleasant. Look, a Christian standard is much higher than you and I would ever dare to believe. It's to be. Now notice, look at what it says, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that which builds up. What does that mean? Boy, you know, you did a good job singing. Boy, wasn't that trio great tonight? I really enjoyed that trio. Now, I didn't hear any bad notes, but you can walk up and say, hey, it was good, all except that one note you messed up. Really good. Not necessary. Unpleasant. Hurtful. Oh, I, I enjoyed everything about the meal, honey. Uh, the green beans were a little uh, mushy, but everything else was good. You don't have to say that. Learn to be pleasant. Good for the use of edifying. And she mentioned, well, how'd you like the green beans? Well, now you say, Pastor, I had somebody look at me recently and said, what are you going to do, lie? Well, think about what you could say. Uh, and, well, honey, you know, um, yeah, I, those green beans, I, I got them down. <laughs> and you might say, oh, well, that's not very good, Pastor. I know you and I have to sit there and think about things before we say, you know the people that you're around, you know your husband and your wife, learn the things that would help them, learn the things that will build them up. Hey, next time, maybe you can, uh, let's make them and, and let me try them while you're making them. Let's see if we can get them uh, the way you're comfortable with and, and let's see what we can do. There's ways to say things that are not hurtful, but most people don't try. They just say the first thing that comes out of their mind. They're not trying to build somebody up. Honey, I don't want to talk about the green beans. I want to talk about how hard you tried and how good this meal was. I want you to know I really enjoyed your efforts. I enjoyed what you did. I loved 
the, 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 the potatoes. I love the salad. I love the way you did it. Learn that you and I want to build people up. I'm just trying to encourage you to be the kind of Christian that your wife says, my husband is wonderful. That your wife says, my husband, uh, he's just too good to me. You want to have a husband that's good to you and he's careful with you because you're the king's daughter. She's a gift. You want to be careful with your husband. He's a gift from God. He loves you. He's going to love you like Christ loved him. You want to be good to him, to help him to be a better husband. Good words, positive words, pleasant words. Notice he says, to the use of edifying. Now listen to the next phrase. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. What is grace? It's always saying things that are a little better. You might say, well, that's embellishing. We're not supposed to do that. He's simply saying, be gracious to the hearer. Do that which causes their spirit to be lifted. Let's not get hung up. I know we spoke about lying and truthfulness, but people from time to time say to me, well, uh, I want to be accurate. Well, you want to be gracious. If God was accurate for everybody in this room, where would we be? Hell. That's accurate. So he was gracious to us. So you and I want to be gracious to other people. He says, look, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. He says that in Ephesians. A little bit later on, he said, look, I want your grace to be seasoned. Watch what you say. Look, if you would, uh, turn over, if you would. I want you to notice. uh, Take your Bible and turn to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 4. And we'll close with this. Let your speech, remember he said for edifying. How can I help her be stronger? How can I help him be stronger? Um, How can I help him be more like Christ? How can I help my daughter or my son be more like Christ? Let your speech be always. Now, most of the time when we say always, we're going to get in trouble. I will never do that again. I will never do this. You just bought the farm when you say that. It's just like the Lord always comes back to get you. Well, notice this. He says, let your speech be always. He doesn't give any quarter for that. Let your speech be always with what? Grace. That's what he said in Ephesians chapter 4. Let your speech be with grace that it may minister grace to the hearers. Well, notice here he says, season with salt. What is season? It's a preservative. It protects from rottenness. Let your speech be protected from that's hurtful. That's why sarcasm doesn't fit anywhere. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. If everybody in this room worked at learning how I ought to speak, it would change our church. It would change our homes if I focus on what I ought to say to my husband, to my wife, to my children. 
what I ought to say to my brother, what I ought to say to my sister. It is important that all of you in this room understand that you're important to me, and yet there are times whenever I say things quickly, and I don't think about it. Now, this morning, I did think about who I was going to get to play God up here. And I said, you know, I think I'd like to get somebody that, that we'd look at and say, uh, you know, I could tease with, and he wouldn't be offended. And Joseph is that way. I tease with him all the time. But I try not to be sarcastic. There's a difference. And so tonight, this morning, after we got done, I did walk up to Joseph and say, Joseph, I, I, thank you for letting me use you, basically. I, you know, I, I didn't mean to cause a problem, um, but it did work out pretty well. Uh, I was able to use it from the point of view that, that somebody's got to be that person of God, and so I'm away from it. I wanted to get the illustration of, of the word across, uh, sunistao. I wanted to get that across. But, you know, there's some people I have to be careful of using because it hurt their feelings. I never want to hurt somebody. But sometimes I do, and what should I do? What should we all do? Look, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? I didn't mean it that way. And there are some people that they sit toward the back. You know why? They're afraid I might use them in the front. So I have to be careful. I don't want somebody to do that. I don't want you to, I, I see Mike and Sherry sitting in the back. I don't want Mike to sit in the back because he's afraid. If I get up close, he might use me as some illustration. I don't want that. I try to be careful. But you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to say things I ought to say. I don't always do it. Those are the times I need to apologize. And all I'm saying to you is this. All of us should think before we speak so that we can use good words that edify people, that build people. Tonight, the Lord needs all of us when we're at work, when we're at school, to say good things. Young people are notoriously mean and hurtful to each other because they're trying to one-up the other one. Young people, Temple, don't be like that. Be good to kids even though they're not good to you. And let the Lord take care of it. We need some godly young men and young ladies, and we need some godly older men and older ladies that can represent Jesus Christ in his image. Let's bow forward a prayer tonight. And ask the penis to come and <clears throat> play a verse of invitation to him. Tonight, maybe you want to come to this altar and say, Lord, I, I just want to come and, and, and say thank you for being so good to me. Lord, I want you to help me put off more things. Lord, I want you to help me put on more things. Lord, I want to give you always my tongue. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to sing. and Maybe you need to come to this altar and just say, Lord, I just want to talk to you tonight. The altar is a special place in a church. It's a place where you meet with the Lord. And maybe you're carrying a burden tonight. I encourage you to come to this altar and talk with the Lord. Leave your burden at the altar and go your way tonight. Let your weight, the weight that's carrying, laying you down, lay aside every weight at this altar tonight. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts. Thank you for your goodness. 
In your name we pray. Amen.